Good morning, Fitzroy. It's the Lockhearts from Vancouver. Good morning, Fitzroy Presbyterian Church. Uh, we are going to have our call to worship today from Spanish Banks, which is a beautiful beach uh, right in the heart of Vancouver. Our call to worship is from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Friends, when I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, our creator, you made the heavens, the starry skies, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and along the multitudes of heaven and the communion of saints above, we join our voices with those around the globe this day, who worship you with gladness and adoration. We acknowledge, O Lord, that we inhabit a beautiful yet broken world, a place of spectacular experiences, as well as the reality that this is a fallen world, marked by sin and systemic injustice. Your creation is full of wonder and worry. Indeed, in such a time as this, there is grief in our hearts anxiety on our minds, 
suffering before our eyes. We need your mercy, your intercession, your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, our healer, we pray for your world in the midst of a global pandemic. You say that those who sit down in the high God's presence under the shadow of the Almighty should fear nothing, not disease that prowls the darkness, not disaster that erupts at midday from Psalm 91. We pray fearlessness amongst your people. For the doctors, nurses, and other frontline health care workers, we pray, direct their hands, protect them from illness, sustain their energy, we ask in your name. For research and science to break through and find solutions, Lord, we ask your favor. You have promised to heal every ill and wipe every tear, but your full life has not come entirely, not yet. So in this time we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Govern and direct your global and diverse church. Fill it with love and truth and unity. Enlighten all ministers as teaching elders with knowledge and understanding of your word, that by their preaching and compassionate living, they may declare it clearly and show its truth. Encourage and enliven your ruling elders that they may care for those in the church and broader community, their lives an example and inspiration for discipleship and the holiness and sanctification that comes only as a gift of grace from the Holy Spirit. Bless and keep all your baptized people, that all may exercise their vocation as a witness to the gospel in the world, whatever work or volunteer situation you may place them in. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of justice, we pray for the poor, for the unemployed, the laid off, the economically vulnerable, for those without or with low resources at this time. Lead us as agents of grace to share in generosity and help with our ability. God of the oppressed, for any who are abused, underloved, unsafe in their homes, Lord Jesus, we pray for intercession. Hear the cry of those in misery and in need of rescue. Jesus, you weep as we weep. Bring your comfort and presence to the many who suffer. O God, whom we cannot love unless we love our neighbors, remove hate and prejudice from us and from all people so that your children may be reconciled with those we fear, resent, or threaten, and live together in your peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, may we draw near to you in our fears, in our loneliness, in our boredom, in our suffering. May we elevate your name in gratitude for the gifts we too often take for granted. May we seek your true, firm character in scripture, in the person of Jesus Christ, and in the presence of your Holy Spirit, your witness, your counselor, your presence, your holy presence dwelling in us today. 
God, you have given us grace to pray with one heart and one voice. You have promised to hear the prayers of two or three who agree in your name. Hear us now as we pray together across the miles and through this online platform. Fulfill, we pray, the prayers and longings of your people here in whatever way that is best for us and for your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You are true, you are good, you are near. We worship and adore you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
I will be reading from Genesis 32, verses 22 to 31. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jacob. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Penuel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. you have 
Good morning, Fitzroy Church. It is such a joy to be with you in worship. I bring you greetings from this place, from St. Andrew's Hall, which is the Presbyterian College at the University of British Columbia, where I serve as a dean and professor of mission studies. So I bring you greetings from your siblings in Christ in the Presbyterian Church in Canada. Uh, for those of you who are maybe new to Fitzroy in the last year or so, um, I'm a new face, uh, but we love the Fitzroy congregation. My family and I were privileged, thanks to Steve and the elders' kindness, to, to serve in an exchange-type way in 2016, living in the manse and uh, preaching uh, every Sunday. And even last summer when we were back in Northern Ireland, Steve was so kind uh, to uh, give me a chance to preach while he was on holiday most especially during this global pandemic. Fitzroy is a congregation. You have blessed so many of us around the world uh, who uh, love to join you each week and worship God together. So let's continue to worship God now uh, as we dig deep into uh, the lectionary reading from the Old Testament. I want to begin by asking a question. Did you grow up in a family where nicknames were often assigned? I know I did, and I don't know where that tradition came from. I have a hunch part of it was my grandparents who came from County Armagh to Canada and brought uh, some of that tradition with them. Because I grew up in a family, uncles, aunts, cousins, everyone had a nickname. It was a little confusing when you'd bring someone new into the family because you'd introduce them by one name, but then they would go by their nickname the entire time. I was always called uh, Roscoe by my older cousins. They loved the Dukes of Hazard TV show, so I was nicknamed after Roscoe P. Coltrane. And that tradition has continued, even in my own immediate family, everyone has been assigned a nickname. You know, and nicknames are interesting, aren't they? Because they often come with uh, an identity marker and based on certain characteristics of the person. And Jacob, who we're looking at today, he's no exception. He also had a nickname, but it wasn't particularly flattering. He was known as the trickster, a, a deceiver of sorts. I don't think that's a nickname many of us would like to have, but it suited Jacob, didn't it? After all, by the time we meet up with him in this point in the book of Genesis, uh, he has already cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright, and he's hoodwinked his father-in-law Laban. Yeah, Jacob's the kind of salesperson that you'd watch out for, right? He wants to sell you something and you notice, oh, he's smiling with his teeth, but not with his eyes. But note, at this point in the story, the trickster has run out of tricks. Jacob encounters God directly twice in the narrative that the lectionary has been following lately. A couple of weeks ago, once more, my wife, Laura, and I were blessed at our breakfast table here in Vancouver as uh, Steve uh, preached a wonderful sermon uh, on the first encounter with God that Jacob has that came up in the lectionary. Do you remember that one? Jacob's Ladder. It was a brilliant sermon. Uh, and that was just after he had tricked his brother out of his birthright and he fled with absolutely nothing save his life. Because Esau, you'll recall, was breathing murderous threats towards his brother, and he got out just in time. So Jacob flees, you remember the story, and uh, he sets up a new life with his uncle Laban uh, in Haran, a birthplace of Abraham and Sarah, roughly that kind of area. Now, Laban ends up being not only Jacob's uncle, but his father-in-law twice over. 
Now, I know that's confusing. I don't think Hallmark would make one card for all of those family relationships. Jacob finally resolves to uh, return home to Canaan after many years. And as he crosses the Jordan River into Canaan, he actually prays the longest prayer in all of Genesis. Have a look at it. Genesis 32, 9 to 12. And in the prayer, he begs God that his brother Esau will not harm them. And by them, of course, not just Jacob, but his entire family, everyone that he's bringing with him. After all, time heals most wounds, right? And he sends ahead a gift offering of 580 goats, sheep, donkeys, cows, and camels. Wow. I mean, that's almost as many animals uh, as uh, my kids loved seeing last summer at the Streamvale Open Farm outside of Belfast when we served Gilna Herc Presbyterian. But will Esau receive this as a peace offering or assume, and we'd have to say perhaps rightly so, that this gift of all the livestock and so forth is just one more trick from the trickster as he waits to meet his brother Esau in an awkward family reunion we might expect uh, would take place on a reality TV show, Jacob sends his wives and children and all that is dear to him across the ford of the river at Jabbok. And that's where we find him in today's reading. He is alone and lonely. He is cut off and isolated from all who are dear to him fearful and anxious for a future he cannot control or manipulate. And there the Bible says, a man appeared and wrestled Jacob throughout the night. Now, I wonder at first, did Jacob think this could be his brother Esau? Maybe a sneak attack. He's jumped him in the middle of the night. Or did he think that he was in a dreamlike state as when he experienced God's presence and the latter going to heaven. Now, we don't know. Scripture does not let us into his thoughts. But we know the struggle to him is real, and he wrestles alone in his isolation with this fearful stranger, and he's not able to get the upper hand. I don't know about you, but I certainly at times have felt pinned in these last several months, pinned by the pandemic. It's been a struggle, hasn't it, for all of us? And I have to commend Steve. He's a wonderful preacher and a great guy, but you know that already. But also for his uh, ability to, uh, to preach directly into what we were feeling, all of us, during this pandemic. I listened to a lot of preachers, and some kind of skirted the issue. But Steve launched us right into it. I know for myself, as dean of the college and a professor here, I'm often traveling to speak and resource congregations right across Canada and indeed North America. And I've been stuck at home for several months. How about you when, you, when you think about what's changed in your life? For many of us here in Vancouver, we're only half an hour, 40 minutes from the U.S. border. We treat Washington State like our backyard, go across for shopping. It's the first time for any of us in our lifetime that the U.S. border has been closed. As Canadians, we can't go back and forth and Americans can't come here. It's a strange time that we're living in and many of us feel like we're under a great weight or pressure. We've been pinned by a pandemic. 
No doubt you too face similar pressures wherever this message finds you today in Ulster or wherever you're listening around the world. Pressures at home or at work in these early days of the pandemic and since then as we began to grapple with the changes that were sweeping our countries. And since March, what have you been wrestling with? Isolation? Loneliness? Fear? Uncertainty? Job loss? Economic strife? Perhaps like many of us, your heart has literally been broken by the systemic injustice and racism that was further enhanced and illuminated during this time of lockdown. Perhaps you simply grieve for plans that were made and then all of them dashed. And maybe there have been moments, and you can be honest, if you can't be honest in church, there's a problem. Maybe you've even wrestled with God where God was in the midst of this time. So have you prevailed, friends? Have you achieved the upper hand? Or are you like many of us and like Jacob, wrestling all the while and never seeming to achieve victory? The Bible says that Jacob wrestled all night with the mysterious stranger, that the tradition has suggested various identities for. There's been all kinds of identities uh, suggested. Uh, at least that's what U2 uh, suggests, uh, adds the suggestion that it's an angel, right? In the song, Bullet the Blue Sky. But I'll leave it to our friend and resident U2 expert, Steve Stockman, to exegete U2 songs through an appropriate uh, hermeneutical lens. Uh, the wrestling match, it goes all night long with Jacob and he refuses to give in or to give up. And then suddenly everything is reversed, right? The, the mysterious figure wrestling Jacob simply touches the hollow of his thigh. And in a flash, Jacob is lying there unable to move or fight. But he clings to his adversary. Feeling his own defeat, he refuses to let go. He demands a blessing. But this is a blessing that Jacob, the trickster, cannot plot, plan, or manipulate to his advantage as in the past. Now he is utterly at the mercy of the one he clings to. He knows whatever comes next, it is an act of sheer grace. And Jacob's name is changed. He is given a new nickname in this moment, Israel which in Hebrew means the one who wrestles with God. He receives the blessing and he asks for his adversary's name in return. But his sparring partner will not answer. Blessing and releasing Jacob, the trickster rebranded Israel. And Jacob will now do some renaming of his own. He renames the place where he wrestled as Penel, which means face of God. So Jacob knew who he was wrestling with that long night, for he names a place acknowledging, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. God wrestled, blessed, and set Jacob free, giving him a freedom that all of his previous cunning and deception could not, his trickery could not give him. God in the flesh Wrestling Jacob gives us a glimpse of the incarnational gift God would bestow on humanity and all creation so many generations later in a manger 
in Bethlehem. Or as uh, Eugene Peterson, who used to teach five minutes across campus here at Regent College, said so beautifully in the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This incarnational experience of the living God changes Jacob, literally transforming his identity and preparing him for the further transformative forgiving encounter with his brother Esau that follows this story. I love the incarnational imagery in this Old Testament story, someone actually wrestling God in the flesh. I've been reflecting a bit during COVID-19 what this question of incarnation for us as Christians really means. Now that so much of our common life together, work, family, education, social connections, it's all been moved online, like this worship service we're having now. Uh, Early on in the pandemic, there was an awkward uh, press conference with our Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. He, He wanted to encourage Canadians to kind of stay apart, and he coined a phrase that has become famous, maybe even infamous, He said off the cuff, he said, will you please not, quote, speak moistly on others? And then he cringed. The phrase speak moistly just sounds awful. But there is something about breath, about the ruach of God at work in our lives. We we crave that sense of connection, that incarnational experience that Jacob has in this story. And now for many of us at a distance, we struggle, don't we? After all, Jesus spoke moistly on his disciples in John's gospel. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So how has our understanding of our Christian incarnational faith of koinonia, fellowship, changed during this time of physical separation during COVID-19? And what might it mean for our understanding of church moving forward? You know, the early church, of course, was able to bear witness to an incarnational presence, even though they were often separated by great geographic distances. Think about the epistles, the letters, the messages sent from one Christian group to another over a great distance. Today, we call it scripture. It's part of the canon. Christians at a geographic distance, sometimes never meeting in person, gave and received communication that included words of encouragement, praise, instruction, rebuke, pastoral care. It was possible then, it's possible now through the power of the Holy Spirit. But our early Christian ancestors, they also longed, didn't they, to see and embrace their fellow believers, as many of you long to see your fellow church members at Fitzroy and to give them a great big hug and to tell them how much that you've missed them. Think about this line from an obscure little part of the New Testament, 2 John. Most people don't preach on 2 John, but I love this line, 2 John 12. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face-to-face, so that our joy may be complete. Friends, as we wait for that day, when we can gather again in person, 
let's give God thanks that we are discovering, God is revealing new ways of forming incarnational relationships through digital platforms across countless miles, where once apostles used letters to stitch together churches across the Roman Empire, now we use uh, Zoom, for example, to connect around the world and YouTube. The important emphasis on incarnation, enfleshment, for us as Christians, is rightly focused on relationships, not the particular technology used to enhance it, whether when we're all together we use uh, microphones and we use PowerPoint in a church building, or today we use Microsoft Teams or something like that for online church. A uh, missiologist, a friend and colleague of mine in Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam uh, Stefan Pass, uh, recently wrote this in his book uh, that just came out, Priests and Pilgrims. God's mission is about the restoration and the renewal of relationships. Restoration and renewal of relationships. I believe we are still on God's mission and that God's mission is taking place all around us and that the restoration and renewal of relationships is happening right now. We're learning new ways of being a community online. We're wrestling with, uh, we're wrestling like Jacob did with God to try and figure out how to survive this dark night of COVID-19. But friends in Christ, God's victory is assured. And so too is his blessing as we cling to the presence, power, and promises of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We too want a blessing, don't we? As we cling to God like Jacob did, we too seek a new identity. Might God bestow upon us a nickname that reorientates our lives? Or perhaps God already has. After all, when you stop to think about it, when we read the story of Jacob, the majority of those of us participating today in worship are Gentile Christians, not Jewish Christians. And so we only have access to this Old Testament story, to Israel's scripture, through Jesus Christ. It is because of his incarnation, life, ministry, teaching, miracles, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension, that we are grafted onto Israel, and these stories become our own. We're now part of the family only because of Jesus, and we long to be like our rabbi Jesus, just as his identity was confirmed in the swirling waters of the Jordan River with descent of the dove and God's proclamation of beloved so too, at Pentecost, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we claim our inheritance with the saints as God's own beloved. That's your nickname and mine. Therefore, beloved in Christ, the God of our ancestors, the God of Jacob, longs to bless us this day and set us free. We do not need to be pinned by the pandemic. The incarnational presence of God is real present to you wherever this message finds you today around the world, as real as it was to Jacob at twilight by the ford of the Jabbok. Together we are not engaging a concept or idea, but we are encountering a person, a real relationship, more truly a community of persons, whose presence changes our lives for good as we are given the nickname Beloved. For the high school overachiever, who never seems to do well enough to gain her parents' attention, beloved. For the awkward kid who is always picked on at school and always picked last at sports, beloved. For the teen who looks in the mirror and hates the image staring back, beloved. 
for the restaurant server working for minimum wage while trying her best to support her kids? Beloved, for the high-pressured salesperson who only sees his worth in monthly sales reports? Beloved, for the parent who lies awake at night worried about her teenagers and feeling like a failure in parenting? Beloved, for the empty nesters trying to figure out what purpose life may have with more years behind than ahead? Beloved, for the retiree who realizes that most friendships were connected to their employment and they watch the world get very small, very fast. Beloved, for the senior who sits all day by the phone waiting for a loved one to call. Beloved, beloved, beloved. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit releases us this day into the freedom of life with a new identity as God's own beloved. And we will never walk through this world the same. Let us pray. Eternal God, you touch us and make this world holy. Open our eyes to see your hand at work in the splendor of creation and in the beauty of human life. As we wrestle through this difficult time of global pandemic, help us to cherish the gifts that surround us, to share your blessings with sisters and brothers in Christ, and to experience the joy of life in your presence. May we feel your touch and know our lives and very identities to be transformed by your generous grace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Fitzroy, as our time of worship comes to an end here from St. Andrew's Hall, I offer you this benediction on our hearts and on our homes, the blessing of God, in our life and our believing, the love of God, at our end and new beginning, the arms of God to welcome us home. May the blessing of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and forevermore. Amen.